of facts to fight off the liberal gaslighting. You can be in the middle of a hurricane. You have sanctuary in the city of Chicago. Or you can be on a calm day. North is still north. You could be in a thunderstorm. I am angry. We are not going back. Not ever. North is still north. People can yell at you. The hell with the Supreme Court. We will defy them. North is still north. It doesn't change fundamental things. And in this business, right is still right, even if you stand by yourself. We don't get fooled again. No, no. Live across the fruited plain and from sea to shining sea, we are converting the Marxist left one hour at a time on the Wendy Bell radio program. Well, hello, America, and beyond the fruited plain. Welcome home to the Wendy Bell Radio Program. Delighted to share our common sense conservatism with you every single day. A lot to talk about today. Yesterday being the election. Different cities, different counties, different states doing different things. And there is a lot to learn in yesterday's results. There's a lot to talk about. There is a very intriguing development in that Bridgeport, Connecticut mayoral race. We're going to bring you those details, big information behind closed doors, as Special Prosecutor David Weiss tells Jim Jordan and the House Judiciary under oath something that contradicts entirely what Merrick Garland testified before under oath in front of that same panel just, what, a couple months ago. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about why it seems all these left-wing causes keep getting all of our grant money. Why that is, because you're right. That happens. I'm going to talk to you about something that nobody wants to talk about, and yet we must. And we shall, right after this. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands. One nation, under God, indivisible with liberty and justice for all. Amen. You know, Brock and I were just talking about it before the show went live. Really strange things that make you scratch your head. I'm angry today that I have no faith. I have no faith in the election process. I don't believe it when there's a problem. I don't believe them when they say it was just a glitch. I don't, I don't have confidence in the people who are supposedly putting these things on. Any more than I have confidence in medicine. Or confidence in pharma, or in the media, or in anything. We have been lied to and stolen from so many times, I believe and trust no one. That's a terrible place to be in. But there is one person I trust, it's Donald Trump. And you can say that's extreme. You can say she must be a MAGA right-wing wacko. No, I find things very common sense. And the platform for victory for the Republican Party is not complicated. And you got a lot of people who are overthinking this. I want you to take a look, just snapshot. My state, I call it the land before time for a reason. Beautiful Commonwealth, Pennsylvania is beautiful. Some of the loveliest people and the most amazing landscapes in this state. 
Crazy people. Crazy. If you believe it. So in Pittsburgh, where I live, we have a a Republican DA who is able to fight off a George Soros-funded candidate and win. But the socialist woman running for county executive of the county in which I live wins, wins over the Republican candidate. Now, how does that make sense? So you're going to go with a socialist, but you're going to deny a George Soros-funded challenger to the Republican candidate for DA. That makes no sense to me. It makes no sense to me that in Kentucky, you can get a Democrat win at the highest office and then everybody else down ticket wins Republican landslide. How does that make sense? But I think the biggest issue that we saw yesterday, Ohio voters weighing in on the issue of abortion. And I'm going to say something that's going to be very unpopular for some of you. I don't care. It is not an issue we are going to win on. We've got to develop a strategy to handle this issue. And here's the problem. As conservative as I am, I realize that by and large, I'm very fiscally conservative. Social issues don't really get me one way or the other. I'm not really getting in the fray. I don't want I don't care who people love. I don't really care how they live their lives. I have your traditional conservative hands off approach. You leave me alone, I leave leave you alone and we can go do our separate things and live in harmony. But we have too many people now who believe that they should be able to dictate what everybody else does. And it's not just the left. This hardcore anti-abortion, you know, crowd on the right. Look, you can inherently be completely turned off by the subject. You can be vehemently pro-life. It is not something that is going to move our needle in a positive direction in 2024. The issue must be decided the way Ohio did yesterday. It must be decided by the states. And anybody running for office ought to say, my, po- my personal feelings about this topic aside, I don't, I don't feel comfortable telling another person what to do with their body. This is the same story with the transgender stuff. Look, if your neighbor has a, ch- has a child and as a family they decide that that child is going to go through some, some medical procedures and such that you f- fundamentally disagree with, it's not your business any more than it's my business to tell someone they should get a vaccine. I find it intriguing that these people who are super hold the line on abortion, 15 weeks or bust, that's it, no conversation, are the ones also who were so opposed to and got medical and religious exemptions for not having to get the vax. So which way are you? Your body, your choice, or only your body, your choice and things that you agree with? See, that's extreme. It's as extreme as the people on the left. These fringe people, and both sides have fringe people who occupy a lot of the oxygen. Whereas I think the lion's share of us, and I'll go so far as to say 80% of us, are somewhere in shades of gray from red to purple to blue. But is this really the issue that we're going to lose our minds over? If Republican candidates would say, look, my personal feelings are personal. But as a blank governor, county executive, treasurer, 
congressperson. I don't make these decisions in a vacuum. My job is to represent the people who I serve. They are in charge. They must decide. Don't ask me about my decision. I will follow the wishes of the people. Now you're talking. You know, and I thought about this too. So I'm 53 years old. And right about the time I was 50, 51, I went to the doctor and she told me, are you going to start being, you know, start going through some menopause? This is how it's going to be. You can still get pregnant though. So, you know, be on alert. I was thinking to myself, holy moly, can you imagine being 52 or 53 years old and finding out you're like the one in 100,000 to get pregnant? What do you do? Because now you set your whole life clock back at zero. If you carry along that pregnancy, all right, so now you're going to be a 68-year-old mom watching your child graduate or a 71-year-old mom watching your child graduate from high school. Should you not have that ability to decide who you are, what you want to do with your family, your choice? Or should it all be black and white? Well, it's not black and white. Different people have different circumstances. And women will fundamentally and vehemently push back on this subject. It is a loser. Loser. Let's focus on what we can control. Let's focus on what we do know. That financially speaking, we are all worse off than we were four years ago. And the, the collective objective should be being able to work, get a decent wage, squirrel away for tomorrow, be ready for an emergency if one comes up, et cetera, et cetera. Can we also not agree that our scholastic system sucks? Can we, can we get on board and say we've got to actually start educating our children and holding our teachers accountable and ourselves? That is a winner to me. What parent doesn't want the best for their child? Another issue that's obvious Safety and security. we got to figure out what's going on in this country with these borders. We know what's happening. How do you stop it? Let's come up with some reasonable middle ground to talk to, to talk about with each other. This abortion thing, i got to say, as much as people who are Republican slash conservative slash Christian, Catholic, whatever, as much as you hold that in your personal belief, if that is the thing that's going to sink or swim you and your vote, we've got big issues. We cannot be single-issue voters anymore, any more than the LGBTQ community should vote solely on that. I don't believe that Republicans, conservatives, etc., should be making their decisions solely on abortion. We are bigger than all of these issues. We sink or swim collectively together based on the people we hire. And the people who are getting hired aren't people who are good for this country. The only way that changes is if we figure out a way to meet in the middle and make it happen. And that is what is going to have to go through. Period. You can have Donald Trump at the top of the ticket. I trust Donald Trump to get our finances, to get our security, to get our standing back. But the local level stuff, that's up on you and me. We've got to do that. All right, let's go to Bridgeport, Connecticut. Super fascinating case study in election 
suck, okay? Wait for it. It's next on the Wendy Bell Radio Program. So a July poll from the New York Times and Siena College found 36% of surveyed Republican voters support abortion being legal in some capacity. 57% believe the procedure should be mostly or always illegal. But among all voters surveyed across party lines, 61% of respondents supported abortion being legal in a capacity. 32% did not. So two to one, you are, before you even open your mouth as a candidate and do anything, two to one say, don't mess with this. One third is saying, absolutely, fundamentally not. All right, well, the two thirds are going to have to win out over the one third. And again, if you don't like abortion, don't have one. It's simple as that to me. And I know this gets a lot of people fired up. It is a losing issue, period. We need to focus on the things that everybody cares about. So this case that we've been following, the mayoral race in Bridgeport, Connecticut. You're dealing with a population of about 183,000 people, I think. And there had been discrepancies, there had been problems after a video showed one of the incumbent mayor. These are two Democrats going after each other, okay? The incumbent mayor is a former felon who served seven years, came out, somehow got reelected, and is trying to go again. But there's video that comes out of one of his staffers multiple times stuffing the ballot box right outside their city building, not even trying to hide it. And all of a sudden in the primary, because of this quote-unquote mail-in ballot infusion for the incumbent Democrat, the Democrat running against him is told he loses. But he gets the video and he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. We have this video. The judge looks at the video and says, you're right. We cannot proceed with these primary results. The election has to go on. It was yesterday and the incumbent mayor allegedly won. But the guy who was opposing him, who highlighted the fraud, had to be an independent on the ballot. So what's going to end up happening now is they're going to have to do the whole thing all over again. The new primary, the new vote. That's what it's going to be. And so it goes. But I wanted to read you a little bit about this because it's so preposterous. Bridgeport mayor claims win. But do-over looms in the election upended by video of ballot box stuffing. The mayor of Bridgeport, Connecticut, declared himself the winner early Wednesday. By the way, saying this, which I find disgusting, he tweeted out, Tonight, vengeance and bullying loses to vision and progress. Friends, when you call out fraud, that does not make you uh, vengeful. When you talk about it, that does not make you a bully. These are the emotional optics used by the left. Speaking to supporters shortly after midnight with the city's vote tally, showing him with a 175-vote lead, Mayor Joe Gannam called on his strongest challenger, John Gomes, to withdraw from a court fight that has the election probably headed to a do-over. So the guy who, who's won again says, you know what, this is two times now I've beaten you. Just admit that you're a beaten animal, wounded dog, and move along. Goodbye, my man. I don't think you're paying attention. I don't think you're understanding what's going on, Mr. Ganim. 
The people of Bridgeport cast their ballots Tuesday, knowing the results might not settle anything. A judge last week tossed the results of the Democratic mayoral primary and ordered a new one, citing mishandled absentee ballots that left the court unable to determine who won. And by the way, the women in the video shown depositing those ballots, and there is a law in Connecticut preventing people from ballot harvesting. You can't go to your apartment building and just collect everybody's ballots and turn them in and save them the trip to the drop box. There are rules preventing that in the state of Connecticut. The two women seen on video doing that were called before this judge to testify. They both pled the fifth. Well, now, I'm no rocket scientist, but I do have common sense. And I'm going to go with If I see video over 37 days, thousands of ballots, your candidate wins by 247, and you want me to believe that that's the result that's actually happened. And then those two people who delivered all those ballots to the box refuse to answer the judge's questions because they say they don't want to incriminate themselves. Well, you are in the same boat as Joe Biden now. Joe Biden not answering why he's got a burner phone, a burner phone that's not listed that Hunter Biden pays for and has for years. Why does Joe Biden have multiple fake names? Why did why did people have to operate in secrecy and darkness and plead the fifth because they're lying, because they're covering up, because they've done something wrong. They know they've been caught. It's their last minute Hail Mary. And for this mayor to come out and say that he's the victor. When the legal process hasn't even started, essentially, tells you all you need to know. Brother, we know that you're in on it. We know that you're all a part of this. You served seven years because you're a freaking felon. You were arrested, charged, and found guilty of corruption. And we're to believe that you were reelected and now reelected again? I don't know. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with but this is this is the state of elections in our country you know abortion yes is it an issue for a lot of us sure but does it really impact your life if you aren't gonna have one and if your answer is no i'm not gonna have one either because you're a dude or you're past the age or you have no intention of getting pregnant good for you but step back from telling everybody else what they ought to do with their bodies you can't have it both ways don't tell me to get vaccinated but don't you dare get an abortion because it doesn't work sometimes it's unpopular friends and if that's today so be it You're tuned in to the Wendy Bell Radio program. More right after this. You know, I don't think, perhaps it's because I have multiple children who are all the same gender. Now, five sons is not, you know, a record breaker here. But in today's day and age, it's somewhat unusual. And having the age of children that I do from 23 down to twin 15-year-olds, 
as I've told you in the past, as I chronicle through my lenses as a mom, how I view politics, how I see the world, what I hope to be able to provide for my sons, and my husband agrees with me on this, I get to see their, their belief systems change, how they grow into their own individuals. We've got to get out of the business of telling each other how to feel, how to think, how to act, how to vote, what to do, what not to do. There seems to be a lot of collective consciousness, morality. This is the right thing to do. That is the wrong thing to do. If we could create a very simple delineation between laws and who pays for them, I think that would be very exciting. So if you want to do this or that, if you're a family who has a child who believes that they were born into the wrong body and you are going to accompany them on their journey to change who they are, I can say to myself, I fundamentally disagree with that, but whose life is it? It's not mine. I don't want to pay for it. That should be the line. If you want things, you want to do things, if you want to have access to things, and you can pay for them yourself. Who am I to tell you who you should be? That's not what we are there. We're, we're in this, we try to litigate emotional things. And you can't do that. It doesn't work like that. And sadly, this extreme sides of both political parties turn off so many people. They just do. There's a reason Marjorie Taylor Greene is offensive to many people on the left. She uses words that are incendiary and she whips up topics purposefully the way she does and it rubs a lot of people the wrong way. Okay. All right. That's on her. But the beautiful thing as spectators and the beautiful thing as parents as we watch our children and I get to see my five boys change with with age, we get to watch them decide. It's not my job to tell them who to be, how to think, how to feel, how to vote, whom to marry, what to have important in their lives. When they need help, I'll be there to help. But at some point, you're on you. You do you. This should not be complicated. We overthink so much. If we as a party stick with very basic things, fiscal responsibility. Look, this situation money-wise has got to get under control. There, there, there's no excuse for mortgage rates to be in the mid-eights. There, there's no excuse for, for the average interest rate on a, on a credit card debt to be 25%. That the average person does not have enough money to to cover something unexpected like the washing machine stopping working and needing to go out and buy a new one. I mean, we've got serious issues that can join us. These fringe issues, you can, of course, have personal feelings. We all do. But that's not what's going to move the needle. That's not what's going to be that makes America sink or swim. Now, CNN, I find this very interesting. We're going to spend quite a bit of time on CNN today. They just put out a poll. Yesterday, just after this whole New York Times-Siena College poll that shows Trump beating Biden five of six swing states, making huge inroads with black voters, younger voters, Hispanic voters, et cetera, et cetera. It's curious because CNN then did its own 
And the results aren't fantastic for their guy, for Joe Biden. Now they have, they're beginning to panic. They've been panicking. So they've got this guy, David Chalian. He's their political director. And basically what David Chalian has been allowed to do is go out on live television at CNN and say no to Joe. No to Joe Biden. That is what he is going to come out and tell us. His poll. One year out from Election Day 2024, Biden standing is buffeted by negative approval ratings in a sense that things are going poorly in the country. True. Register voters who say that if the presidential election were held today with Joe Biden and Donald Trump as the nominees, they would support. 49 percent said Donald Trump, 45 percent said Joe Biden. This is a CNN poll. That's got to awaken a lot of people. Biden's support in the poll is significantly weaker now among several groups that he previously won by wide margins and were critical to his election in 2020. Among, young, let's see, younger voters than 35, 48% support Trump, 47% Biden. Political independence, breaking with Trump, 45 to 41. Black voters favoring Biden, 73% to 23%. But that 23%, is a big number for a Republican. Latino voters split 50 to Biden, 46 Trump. Among voters of color generally, women divide Biden, 63 to Trump's 31, while men, black men, 49% Trump, 46% Biden. Now, these are very interesting numbers. They're not that dissimilar to things that we've seen in other polls, including that New York Times one. Now, of those margins that reflect significant declines in support for Biden, this is where David Chalian is going to get up and he's going to take from this poll. Basically, we're done. We're kicking him. We've thrown him into the garbage can. It's time. You all at home watching us on CNN, it's okay for you to do it too. We grant you our permission because we've gotten the green light from the administration, the Obama administration we are allowed now to ditch joe biden audio soundbite number one the big question what's going on in the country is it good is it bad is it ugly listen to cnn's political director david chalian how are things going in the country today uh badly say nearly three quarters of respondents in this poll 72 percent Things are going badly in the country today. Only 28% say they're going well. I'm so curious about that 28%. 28% think things are just dandy. Now, isn't that so weird? Who are these people? Are they the perennial rich? I don't know. I don't know anybody who thinks things are well. I don't go anywhere where I don't hear somebody mumbling about what's going on. And it's not even mumbling anymore. It's out and out in the grocery store saying, what in the hell happened to these prices? And this has been going on for years. Audio soundbite number two. One of the many reasons why they're going to blame or say Joe needs to move along. It's too old. Doesn't seem to have what it takes. Did you guys see him yesterday? He was at some science thing. And he wandered off stage like into the into the shadows. I don't even know if there was a door or a curtain. He just literally wandered away. And, and the people on stage who clearly are not political operatives were like, what do we do now? As somebody comes out of nowhere to kind of like put the color bars up on the, on the feed, feed over. The president, ladies and gentlemen, has wandered away. 
Audio soundbite number two, CNN's David Chalian. Does he have the stamina? Does he have what it takes? <laughs> of course not. Go. Again, that astonishing number on whether or not Biden has the stamina and sharpness to serve effectively as president. Only 25% of poll respondents say that he does have the stamina. 74% say no. And I know you're a history buff like I am. And so look here on this chart of where Biden's modern day predecessors were in their approval rating at this point in their presidency. And Jake, you see Biden is down there between Donald Trump and Jimmy Carter. You may know that is down in the category of one term presidents. He clearly wants to turn that around. Well, good luck with that. Everybody's got their knives out for you, Joe. I don't think you're going to be uh, I don't think they're going to keep running interference for you. I think the party is is officially over. And now they've gotten themselves into this time crunch. There are all these deadlines. New Hampshire's deadline has already passed. Anybody who would even think about getting involved. Gavin Newsom hasn't done any registering. He hasn't thrown his hat anywhere. It's now too late. And there's this enthusiasm thing, says David Chalian. In audio soundbite number three, he says, you know what? When it comes to people who are excited to go vote, it's by 10%. But Republicans definitely outmatch Democrats. Listen. And just in terms of motivation, Aaron, we are seeing in our poll that Republican and Republican-leaning independent voters, 71% of them extremely motivated to vote. 61% of Democrats and Democratic leaners say so. That's an enthusiasm advantage. Yeah, who's enthusiastic to vote for Democrats right now? I mean, that's just an idiotic question. How enthusiastic are you to continue four more years of abject sock? Right, you're going to get your 26, 28% who think everything's going great and that Joe Biden certainly has got the stamina. I mean, he's, he's seasoned. He's wise. I mean, he's incoherent and wanders away and walks into the bushes and needs the Easter bunny. But you know what? I think he's great. What? And here it is. This is what they have been setting up. This is the takeaway, the line, the thing that we were listening for. Specifically, CNN's political director says the American voter has soured on Joe Biden. Has? Well, we have, but they're saying it. Listen to this. The country has soured on Joe Biden. There's just not another way to put it. According to our latest CNN poll conducted by SSRS, a national poll that gives us this snapshot in time. Biden's approval rating is 39% in our poll, 61% disapprove of the job he's doing. Look at it by party. You see that even among his fellow Democrats, he's only at 77% approval in this poll. Only a third of independents approve of the job he's doing. And of course, as you might imagine, only 5% of Republicans. So then he bounces out to this roundtable discussion where the people at the table at CNN are wringing their hands. Oh, my gosh. They're visibly shaken by these numbers, specifically the information about black voters changing to Trump. Listen. Reading in the crosstabs, the most important part, as Phil reminds us, just all of those from women to Hispanic voters, black voters, 22 percent of black voters behind Trump. That is not seen in the modern era for a Republican frontrunner. Right. I mean, wow, it's startling. <laughs> I, I, I looked at the, the Democratic response, uh, Kevin Munoz, the, the spokesman for Biden and this idea that 
you know, we have a year, we can turn things around. I think you have to look at this being a challenge from the very beginning, right? Black voters from the very beginning were saying that we will help you get Joe Biden into office. Um, but, you know, this is not necessarily our preference. Uh, this was uh, about democracy and saving democracy. And so here we are a year later. Uh, he has not been able to change their impression. Black home ownership is down. Uh, going to the store, you know, even if uh, jobs uh, have improved in terms of numbers, the, the prices that people are paying just it doesn't resonate with them. So Bidenomics, all of the things that Biden has done to try to connect, it's not connecting with this group. And black unemployment was quite low during the Trump administration. And low, but lower now. Lower it's, now. It's the, yeah, but it's it's. The, but he said it all the time. Trump right. said it all. The time. He had a, an, a a gift for messaging. There's no question about that. Errol, he had a gift for delivery. It was true. He didn't have to message it. Everybody knew. So saving democracy is that what is on the ballot? That's what that lady just said. Well, if saving democracy is on the ballot, we need to be very aware of everything that George Soros's Open Society Foundation is doing. And my friends. When we come back from this quick break, I got to drop some information on you. The change in message from the Soros men. Why specifically? They're trying to convince you that they're not doing what we all know they are. Next on the Winnie Bell Radio Program. All right, so I want to read you this article. I don't know how you guys feel about George Soros. Actually, I kind of do. I think the man is dark as the day is long. And Newsbusters has this very interesting article about his open society foundations playing kind of dumb on giving millions and millions of dollars to radical pro Hamas groups. It is, I don't believe, negotiable. Their paper trail is there. You can see what they do. But I think as we are looking at Ohio, their vote on abortion and other issues, we look at Kentucky, we look at Kansas, we look at other states and see what's going on. We can go back up to 30,000 feet, take a look at the landscape and make some good strategy decisions with a full year to go to execute those. George Soros and his son Alex are doing the same thing. They're realizing that this extreme stuff the college campuses, the billionaire hedge fund managers, the people who went to these schools, Harvard and Penn and all the rest were these, these frightening and anti-Semitic protests and demonstrations have taken place, making students feel, particularly Jews, feel tremendously unsafe. Well, it's, they have to respond to that. Leftist billionaire George Soros's Open Society Foundations finally released a statement last week, finally, condemning Hamas's hellish attacks on Israel. It was nearly three and a half weeks after the massacre. However, it did so while trying to make believe that the fortune it funneled into groups championing Hamas's barbarism didn't exist. What? Open Society Fact Sheet says the Open Society Foundations in Israel and Palestine, which supplemented the organization's November 1st press release on Hamas, attempted to equivocate the conflict involving the Jewish state and the terrorist organization as a, quote, territorial dispute between Israel and the occupied Palestinian territories. 
They flex their decades-long bona fides of proudly supporting efforts to contain escalating violence between state and non-state actors on both sides. But the Open Society Foundations had the audacity to claim that all the groups we support are committed to non-violence. BS. And adhere to the principle that human rights and safety should be enjoyed by Israelis and Palestinians alike. Come on now. We know that the Open Society Foundation is given to numerous pro-Hamas groups. The sordid list includes, certainly not limited to, Al-Shabaka, the Middle East Children's Alliance, the Palestinian Institute for Public Diplomacy, and Dream Defenders, among others. Not only that... But Soros himself even called for the United States and Israel to embrace Hamas. Now, why would the Open Society Foundation feel the need to release a statement three and a half weeks after that October 7th massacre? And why would it attempt to undercut its own record of funding pro-Hamas organizations? Well, we're pretty sure it has everything to do with the Open Society Foundation positioning itself ahead of the 2024 U.S. presidential election. Quote, Alex and George Soros are playing the same card that the left always does. They say one thing while doing something else. This is the vice president of the Media Research Center speaking here. Their money is still backing the radical pro-Hamas organizations that seek the destruction of Israel. But their words are communicating something different. This is the same story as Joe Biden. Our ally is Israel. We are with Israel. Israel says, hey, we need guns. We need rifles. Send them. Biden says, only if you don't give them to your civilians. Now, why would you do that? A lot of optics, a lot of mixed messaging. Seems like there are a lot of people who are closet Israel haters and Hamas supporters who know that that's not a winning issue. The same way abortion is a losing issue no matter how you slice it. Now, Media Research Center analyzing how Biden's poll numbers have tanked after this massacre. Democrats generally are in trouble because of the far-left radical pro-Hamas statements denigrating the state of Israel. Now, I bring you this story because as one end of the political spectrum, that is distasteful. George Soros, anybody on the left, Rashida Tlaib, the squad supporting, openly supporting pro-Hamas barbarians, right? On the other side are people on the quote-unquote alt-right who refuse to have any conversation at all or refuse to relinquish that abortion should be the issue in 2024. Both are losers. Both refuse to move the needle. Both take our eye off the ball. And the ball tells us that we've got some serious issues that everyday families in this country need us to talk about. Terrorism and abortion are not good ones. All right, when we come back, hour two of the Wendy Bell Radio program is on tap. The scramble to find Joe Biden's replacement. CNN with Van Jones, one of my favorites. 
You're going to very much enjoy this enlightening conversation next on the Wendy Bell Radio Network.